0: Hello, and welcome to Our Three Cents, a podcast celebrating the very finest video games. My name is Jonathan Dunn, and I am joined, as always, by my childhood friend, Chris Dow. Lovely stuff. Not my words, Jonathan. The words of Shaking Stevens. And my adulthood friend, Minty Booth. A half-eaten
1: chorizo of the soul.
0: And we are discussing our all-time top 100 video games. This week, we have our number 75s hey bloody
2: hell boss level 75 it's a big one isn't it yeah a quarter of the way through how are we feeling
1: i won't lie i'm on the fence can't decide whether it's uh, great or fantastic <laughs>
2: what a plot twist what a zinger
0: so let's start as we always do with the quiz quiz the score is currently 12 11 to chris so let's see if minty can pull it back level i'd love to <sighs> In the genre-defining sci-fi first-person shooter Half-Life, what is the research facility called? Black Mesa. (gasps)
2: Wow. (laughs)
0: Yes. Congratulations, Minty. Yes. You have pulled it level. Well done, Minty. So, what have we been playing this week? What have you been playing this week?
1: So, at the moment in my life, all I'm playing is Stardew Valley and Dead Cells.
0: Yeah. Between the two of them, they tick all the boxes that you could ever want from games, I think, Mm. genuinely.
1: Yeah, apart from being in 3D. Do you need that? No, you you don't need it, but that's a box that doesn't tick, which was (laughs) the question that you asked.
0: And that is true. Thank you. (laughs) I've also pretty much just been playing Dead Cells as well, to be honest.
2: Chris, what have you been playing this week? I've actually played a few things because it's my half-term holiday from school. So a game I played all of and finished was a game on the Switch called Fair Rune, which is like a a NES-inspired action RPG, I guess. Righto. Hey. It's like a top-down sort of old uh, Zelda-style puzzle action RPG kind of thing. And you, you basically solve puzzles by sort of collecting items to open up more and more of the quite compact but still quite busy map. And it's, it's a lot of fun, actually. It's something i definitely recommend. I think you'd probably both enjoy it. I don't know. I really enjoyed it, but it does in places hark back a bit too much to kind of... The way that NES games were sort of padded out sometimes where you'd have puzzles that just relied on you either knowing where something was... Or spotting kind of tiny pixel imperfections, or or just like hidden paths that you'd never know were there otherwise. And as yeah. much as I kind of like mm. figuring out challenging puzzles, they have to make sense within kind of the confines of the world you're playing in.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and
2: I felt like going through this game that I might do say like five puzzles or five little bits that I could beat without issue by just kind of working logically within you know the game's own rule set. Before I'd get sort of a roadblock that made me go and look up a guide. And that sort of annoyed me because as much as maybe that's meant to be like a throwback to sort of when you talk in the playground with, with you know your friends as when you're young and sort of beat again collectively that way. I think it's more in this case just inconsistent design. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's that that great.
0: I remember when I tried to play through the original Zelda game on the Zelda Collection, or at some point anyway. Yeah. It's just like this. Just this just isn't fun because of the limitations of the system and graphics at the time. This is uh, really repetitive and confusing yeah. and not on purpose. When you can do like retro callbacks and stuff, yeah. it was like the problem with Ukulele was it was like it really mirrored those classic N sixty four 3D puzzle platform adventure sort of games. Mm. And because of that, it was a fucking nightmare to play. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and somehow,
2: it, for, you know, for being much shinier, it had none of the charm of, of games like Banjo-Kazoo that it, it was directly copying. Yeah. Despite having loads of the original team, like it just, it was a real failure for me. I didn't, didn't enjoy that game. I also played a few short iPad games this week as well. I played a game called Kids, which is like a weird interactive animation, almost short film type thing. It's really nice and it's kind of, it's, it's about like peer pressure and maybe the illusion of choice for, for people. So it's kind of got a bit of a message, but it's worth a playthrough for a few quid. I played through another game called Oko, which is spelled just O-K-O, which is like an abstract puzzle game where okay. it gives you... <laughs> <laughs> awful, <laughs> awful. <laughs> uh, yeah it gives you like high definition satellite imagery of, of just weird places around the world that are then fragmented by kind of circular shapes that spin and you have to sort of catch the shapes and then put them back into order almost like a jigsaw puzzle it's quite short again but that, that was quite fun and one more called skyward journey which is like a short, I suppose it's meant to be like a meditative sort of game about personal regrets, Ugh. where you just kind of navigate or, or fly some little birds around a screen to trigger different things. And it's, I think it had really noble, good intentions, but the game itself really didn't work for me at all. But that's the only one out of these three that's free. So if people do want to try it out, go ahead, and then you can reach out to me, and I'll tell you why I didn't like it.
0: <laughs> Should we move on to the rankings? I suppose Ooh, so. Yeah. Let's start this week with... Chris Dale, please can you tell us what your 75th
2: favourite video game of all time is? I can indeed. My 75th favourite video game is on the Sega Mega Drive again. Oh, you love the Mega Drive. I do love the Mega Drive. We haven't been there for a good month or two now, I think, since the last one I nominated. But this is Quackshot starring Donald Duck on the Sega Mega ah. Drive. Mm. Did either of you ever play it? No. No. No, no one ever does. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just like the Mega Drive person. I've got a little flag over here that I'm just waving each week. Yeah, I mean, we, we had a question a couple months ago now about our favourite Mega Drive Disney games. Ah, yes. At the time, I said Toy Story and I talked about that and said what I liked about it. But it was mainly just to avoid talking about Quackshot, which I think is the true greatest Disney game on the Mega Drive. It came out, I found out today, this is like a bit of trivia that I, I found sort of researching, it came out in 1991, like worldwide, but in Japan it had the name I Love Donald Duck, colon, The Treasure of King garuzia
0: That's one of the best titles I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah.
2: I, just, I really enjoyed it being called I Love Donald Duck as the main part of the name.
0: <laughs> Let's get that straight, first of all, so you know what you're buying
1: into. I Love Donald Duck, colon. If you're not listening after that point, you're not worthy of the game. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and I mean, we got the, the pun-tastic quack shot instead, which is fine, but like like you say, not as good. It's a 2D platform adventure game, but what I think sets it apart from sort of its licensed contemporaries at the time is how it tries to feel like a proper actual adventure. And Tunnel Duck's persona in this game is sort of inspired by Indiana Jones. So aside from him having sort of an indie-style fedora, it revolves around globetrotting from location to location, utilising the, the nephew's biplane. I didn't realise they fly, but maybe they did in a... Mm-hmm. ducktails or whatever but they're the ones that sort of you know take you from place to place in order for you to collect items and artefacts or, or revisit locations or whatever and most platform games of that era whether they were kind of good or bad generally would have a much more direct sort of here's stage A beat that you can have stage B Onwards, you get to stage C, etc. And I think Quackshot was one of the first games I played where it made me feel like I was part of like a bigger world just because I had to use a map to go back a, a stage or, or go forward somewhere I hadn't been yet or kind of jump around. So it felt less linear. And in the same way, like certain levels, you'd have to kind of backtrack through once you'd collected key items. And it, it just kind of gives it an almost like Metroid-style sense of progression that sometimes your, your weapon options mean that you can then access areas that you couldn't before. The whole game... It's, kind of, it's impossible to talk about quackshot and not mention that Donald Duck's primary weapon is a plunger gun. Mm, classic. Really, really stupid. It feels very much like the kind of 90s mascot style thing where it's, it didn't really need a reason. It was just, you know, someone probably drew a picture and went, that'll do. That looks all right. <laughs> but they kind of they used to either incapacitate enemies, not kill them because Donald Duck is, is a pacifist, but you can mm-hmm. incapacitate them and eventually allow you to kind of climb up vertical surfaces by kind of using them as like steps on a ladder almost it's a game that doesn't look quite as nice as like later Mega Drive games. So like Toy Story or Aladdin or The Lion King or other kind of movie tie where I think I mentioned before that Disney were then sort of giving the animation stills to these studios to work from. Yeah. But it still has loads of Disney charm. And it's kind of got characters plucked from across the, uh, the MMEU or the Mickey Mouse Extended Universe.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it has, a, it has references to like the comics or animated shorts or like the Saturday morning cartoons, like I said, like DuckTales and stuff like that. So it's kind of it's quite nice if, if you're a fan of Disney, I guess. And I think what I enjoyed most about it, on top of all this kind of sense of adventure and stuff, is it has a fantastically atmospheric soundtrack. Yeah. I mean, a lot of games I played back then because they were, these were like formative years when I was playing the Mega Drive are just etched forever in my mind, just because, especially in early stages of games, I would play them just again and again and again. And Quackshot's one of these ones that I had the cartridge I'd play all the time, never made loads of progress as a kid. But the first stage where you, you visit Duckburg, like the, the Donald Duck's hometown, I suppose, has like a really relentlessly cheery brass medley I guess that are sort of like (laughs) and that's like never left me from then like I could sing the entire song if necessary but by contrast like the temple in the Mexico stage has like a really creepy theme that was enough to make me feel really anxious at the time and I'd I'd sort of struggle through that stage willfully because I just hated the the sense of like foreboding doom in the background (laughs) quite sure unlike a lot of the games I've mentioned like to do with the Mega Drive so far of doing this podcast it's harder to get hold of legitimately because it's not on any sort of like licensed Sega collection. But there was like an NES or a NES collection that came out not that long ago last year for like the PS4 and stuff called the Disney Afternoon Collection. And that, that bundled like all the NES games like DuckTales, Chippendale, stuff like that. So I, I don't think a Mega Drive collection is an impossibility. Like, you know, they could bring together this or other kind of real bangers like Castle of Illusion and stuff as, as a group would be really nice for a modern audience.
0: Because I remember Castle of Illusion and Quackshot when they released as like a double pack for the Saturn?
2: They were, yeah. Only in Japan, though, but well remembered, yeah. I remember reading about that. I think it's called the I Love Donalds and I Love Mickey collection. Perfect. <laughs> no.
0: Absolutely perfect. You know what you're signing up for.
2: Yeah, I mean, but that shows that, you know, they, they could work to get this stuff done if they wanted to. So maybe in the future.
0: Maybe... Quackshot will get the remake treatment that Castle of Illusion got a couple of years ago. Yeah, it would be nice.
2: Yeah. Quackshot's a really good game. Uh, I played it this afternoon, and it still holds up really well against kind of contemporary games in this genre. I think it's it's less fast paced than what we're kind of used to now, but it does it does work really nicely. And again, as I always say, I would implore people to give it a go.
0: Fantastic. Thank you very much for that. Uh, f- for that. Moving on, we have my game. Oh gents do you want to know what my 75th favorite video game of all time is
2: yes i'm keen to know
0: so a few episodes ago i talked about one of my favorite games growing up first person stealth them up thief (laughs) the dark project yes you did and following the Thief series through has definitely has, has been something that I've, you know, always been excited about. And I was phenomenally excited when, uh, after quite a few years of silence, there appeared to be a new Thief game coming for kind of next-gen consoles. And, you know, the more stuff that I saw about it, it had, you know, the same familiar steampunk aesthetic and, you know, great next-generation graphics, a nice mix of realistic and supernatural content and what looked to be, you know, a great story at the heart of it. And I was, you know, I thought, fantastic, this is exactly the next generation thief game that I've been waiting for. It is, of course, Dishonored by <laughs> Bethesda.
1: <laughs> you you minx, you had me.
2: Oh, Did any of the team come from looking glass to work on this? Is there some connection between Dishonored? I don't and thief? think
0: so. I think it was it was Definitely a sighted inspiration. I mean, mean, obviously. But interestingly, development-wise and style-wise, it was going to be very different. It started out being set in Japan. I think so much of the gameplay element is built around its setting and its time. But let me explain a bit more about the game for those who don't know it. Essentially, Dishonored is a first-person action-adventure stealth game set in the fictional play-griddled city called Dunwall. So Dunwall is very reminiscent of, obviously, play griddle London, 17th century London, but also then fused with elements of more modern 19th century electricity stuff and some Victoriana, like classic steampunk, some sort of mishmash of, of things. You play as a character called Corvo Atano, who is a bodyguard to the Empress, who is then framed for murder. And then you Retreat to the shadows, becoming an assassin seeking your revenge while trying to prove your innocence and uncovering the plot against you. So it's a very similar setup to something like Thief. Certainly visually, it's set in that same type of world, that same sort of era, that same sort of vague location of a mishmash of different historical elements coming together to form this slightly fantastical world and just like thief there was a supernatural element to the game as well so obviously your character has sort of classic thievery tools and weapons like lockpicks and uh, i don't think he has a blackjack like garrett does in thief oh. but he has probably something similar That's i can't a remember <laughs> it is it is a disappointment but also <laughs> blackjacks were garrett's thing and i think corvo probably more favored fruit salads <laughs> <laughs> So in addition to this sort of array of weapons and tools, you're also granted some magical abilities that allow you to manipulate time, uh, teleport short distances, see enemies through walls and possession. so you can possess people and take control of them for a short while. But you also have the ability to allow you to control some of the the plague rats that are swarming all over the city. So you can, I'm pretty sure you can like possess one and sort of like sneak through and see through its eyes. So you can sort of scout what's ahead or you can summon like a swarm of them to like engulf your enemies, which is quite cool. I remember when it was first announced and thinking this really looks like a ripoff of Thief. But it's also been developed by Bethesda, who I love. And Bethesda don't do things by halves. It wasn't just like a, oh, there hasn't been a Thief game for a while. We could do one. I reckon we could do one well. Turns out we could. But the game had, for something that on the surface could be looked at as a bit of a copy and a bit of a knockoff, it had hugely deep lore. <laughs> you know how, like, you play like Dark Souls or Bloodborne or something like that? It feels like it's built on decades of history like Dungeons and Dragons or Star Wars or something like that that's just had this huge back catalogue of lore gathered by all kinds of different sources and it felt like that it felt just enormous and when you sort of read books and overheard conversations you heard about how the city had been corrupted and the powers that be had actually unleashed the plague to kind of control the poor and all of this sort of stuff that was it was just fantastically well written brilliantly realized very very Deep world are also just fantastic characters as well. I mean, aside from the fact that there are some amazing voice actors like Michael Madsen and John Slattery and stuff like that, they're just really well developed supporting characters as well. People you just come across, like I remember Slackjaw, who was a crime lord. Then there was this woman who had a wonderful name called Granny Rags, which I enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> Turned out to be a witch in disguise. I mean, great disguise dress as a witch, hide as a witch, very much the Jimmy Savile of her time. (laughs) One of the things that was nice about the game that it did differently to Thief was, I mean, Thief was very much mission-based. So you had your series of objectives, you start, you do your objectives, you get to the end. It doesn't really matter how you do that or the impact of how you've done it. Everything sort of resets when you move on to the next mission. Whereas Dishonored... I think it, it didn't it didn't necessarily want to punish you, but it wanted to show that there were consequences of of your actions. So like with all sort of classic sort stealth games, you don't have to play it stealthily. You can go in all guns blazing, all swords clashing all blackjacks swiping exactly all moss (laughs) arrows (laughs) but if you did that then you would cause a certain level of chaos you'd be killing innocents you'd be creating a massive mess you'd be leaving trail through these places and the ending of the game would would change as a result of that and actually harking back to a conversation we had the other day about accessibility i remember the first time i played through the game i played through it on easy which meant that if i was being stealthy and i mucked up it's fine. I could just get my sword out, chop a few heads off, crack on. What are you up to, Granny Rags? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> that name won't stop being funny, so please keep using it.
0: I remember the first time I finished the game, oh, I just left the city just in ruins. Absolute ruins. I mean, worse than the Great Fire of London in terms of getting rid of a plague, I think. <laughs> it was absolute chaos. It was terrible. But I know that you can get through the game without killing anyone. Also... Responsible for one of my favorite spin off games. I played this mobile game that came out before I played this, and it, it didn't so much give you a taste of what you could get in the real game. For it was a game called Rat Assassin, and it was <laughs> an abs- It was literally just a palette swap of Fruit Ninja, and you were just slaughtering tons of rats flying through <laughs> the air and was just it- blood going everywhere as you just cut them in half. It was. Was that actually absurd. a licensed tie in? Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. So it's like Dishonored, Rat Assassin.
0: <laughs> I did get Dishonored Two on the PS4. It was one of the first games I got actually when I got my PS4 Pro because it was one of the games that was PS4 Pro enhanced and I could play it in 4K or whatever. And I, I think I mentioned before about how I don't I just don't really like playing first person games on consoles. Yeah. And this was one of the first ones I'd attempted to play in years. And. I think it was only really about halfway through the game I just started to get a handle on just how to control it. Because, I mean, I was just walking into walls. All <laughs> I, just couldn't, I just couldn't do it. But then, yeah, about halfway through the game, I was like, okay, I, I think I'm fairly fluid with this now. So I ended up restarting the game and <laughs> going back so I could actually enjoy the first half of the game without being a total calamity. But... Yeah, I played the first one on PC, which I think first-person games should only be played on PC. Oh, controversial. But yes, Dishonored, absolutely fantastic game, brilliant story, great action-adventure stealth game, some great RPG elements, really, really fun ride, and definitely the best Thief game that's come out in the (laughs) last 10 years. (laughs) Finally, we have Minty Booth. It's me. Minty, can you tell us what your 75th favourite video game is, please?
1: Uh, Yeah, yeah, I can. My 75th video game is one that's, uh, that has already appeared on, on our lists. Is it? It is, yes, yes. Now, for me, this game really scratched a lovely itch. So many games have you completing a vast, vast quest, facing off against bigger, and bigger, and bigger enemies until someone who is no more physically developed by the time they started taking down somebody two stories taller than them that whole idea of just going on this great big life-changing saga of a of an adventure so many people have done it and this game was so refreshing because it was just basically wall-to-wall side quests (laughs) there was there was a little bit of a like a main story but it didn't really need sort of the, the main story because the joy of this game was the journey that you went on and the friends you made along the way. <laughs> Would you believe it? My 75th favourite video game is Fantasy Life. No flipping way. Yeah. That's
0: absurd. It's <laughs>
1: wild, Yeah
0: that is absurd mm. i was thinking that when you were describing it i was like it can't be
1: what can i bring to the table to talk about this game which hasn't already been spoken about i'll just tell you how i started playing it i started off as a carpenter
0: ah jesus
1: okay. yep yeah, with blue hair and like a little mouth that's like a three they
0: left that bit out of the gospel mm-hmm. <laughs> it didn't have any
1: pictures the bible did it unless you were like under five yeah, started off as a carpenter, which I quickly regretted because I didn't really have any woodcutting skills. So I swapped to a woodcutter, which I then regretted because I didn't have any combat skills. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one of the things that I really loved about it, because even though I was sort of chopping and changing between all the jobs, that's kind of the point. So even though I'm like, oh, well, I'm I'm just cutting down this oak tree and now I can't cut down this pine tree because my axe isn't good enough. Well, I'll just have to become a carpenter and make myself a better axe. Oh, but I can't because I don't have any metal. So I'll have, to, I'll have to swap to a miner quickly, get some ore to make the better axe. I can chop down the trees for better wood. And while I'm here, oh, I've, um, I'm starting to get attacked by ghosts. So I'll have to level up with my magic wand a bit as a mage so I can uh, hold my own. And slowly but surely, you're sort of not only just becoming a good carpenter, but you're building a well-rounded life in this fantasy world <laughs> for a game that is just sort of disparate side quests with you like you know all fry an egg give it to gramps granny rags <laughs> 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 granny rags and tattered gramps <laughs> and then you have fried egg for their rheumatism oh and there was jinx the cat who
0: yes
1: i tell you what jinx the cat and the leader of the hunters guild that, that was my go-to team for when I got to sort of like the end game dungeons because yeah. they just turned everything to leather. Everything into leather.
0: And then you could use that if you were and then a, you could use that as a tailor
1: to create uh, fashionable jerkins. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a collection of side quests which was so much more than the sum of its parts. Loved the art style, loved the music. It really did feel like just a really lovely fleshed out world and it's the only reason I've still got my 3DS. You don't need a big boss to, or a world-ending event that you need to avert to have a nice time.
0: You just need a well-rounded life.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: And to know who you are.
1: Hmm. And I was a little blue-haired boy with a with a bandana and a dream. And a dream.
0: Well, there we have it. That's another three games. Well, sort of. It's two <laughs> games and, a, and another game yeah. for the
2: third time. Firstly, we had... I love Donald Duck, the treasure of King at the Garazia.
0: Then we had... the uh, Dishonored. <laughs> and finally, we had...
1: Interesting fictional existence.
0: <laughs> if you've enjoyed this episode, or if indeed you've enjoyed any of our episodes, please do like and subscribe. Leave us a review. Share it with your friends. Share it on social media. Tell people who you see in the street who look like they might like it. Why not? Why not? You can find us on Facebook if you search for Our Three Cents, or you can reach out to us individually. You can find me on Twitter at Jonathan Dunn.
2: You can find me on Twitter at Chaz underscore Hodges.
0: I'm at Minty Booth. And please do join us again next week when we have our 74s. Yeah. Franny Rex! (laughs)